gentlemen, please welcome to Wild and Crazy Night. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Hogan for the win. We're going to consistently put players in position to succeed. The most important piece is we're going to take the North and never give it back. From CHGO, it's Adam Hope. I don't think that this is a, bit, a full rebuild, but you definitely have to retool your roster. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Hey, what's up, Flues? And we're going to have measurable ways for standards of performance every single rep, every single game. Anyway, uh, who cares? Now, here they are, the Adams. Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in Hogue and Johns Minicamp Edition. And as Kevin Fishbane sits down with us today, instead of Johns, I'd just like to point out that even members of Bears Security were asking me where Johns was today. That's that's what well, that's what this has come to, Kev. Let, let's not stroke the ego here and make it seem like, you know, he was so widely missed in the building. Yeah, I didn't really I didn't really sense like they missed him. I I I sense concern that he's been he's been absent so much that, you know, they they're worried about him. Uh I mean the, these guys should do more research. Is it really that strange for him to have not been there? <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, well said. Uh of course we're just messing around. Jazzy's been at most of the OTAs, but he is off this week. During mini camp, and uh, Kevin Fishbane kind enough to sit in. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at kfishbane. Reading him on the Athletic, theathletic.com/slash Hogan Johns is where you go to subscribe. Uh, of course, uh, whatever the last thing Johnsy wrote is up there too, and uh, whatever he writes in the future as well, assuming he's at training camp, which has been in flux before. I mean, this is a bit now that runs back to like, didn't he miss a whole week of training camp because he went to Ireland like eight years ago? He did, and uh, you can pencil in the uh, annual block party. Oh yeah, yeah. Which which misses. one? Because I feel like there's four of them that he <laughs> claims is just track. one. Yeah, <laughs> it's just training camp. It's yeah. fine. Uh, as I've been told many times today, it's just June. The practices don't matter. None of Listen, this matters. Yo, I didn't get those responses when I said Justin was good for three weeks. Well, no, it's weird. I didn't get those. Uh, it's just May. It's just June responses. But today I've been getting plenty of those. Yeah. Well, I will. I will say. You know, we talk about like a guy like Darnell Mooney. You know, I know we'll kind of get into that. But all that really matters is he's going to be healthy week one. Yeah. You can say the same thing about Adam Johns. Is he going to be in the press box ready to go week one? I mean, that's that's really what matters, right? Yeah, it's kind of, I see that's similar. Yeah, you know, you assume so. But as Maddie Ruflew said, there could be setbacks. There, there could be more block parties. Who knows? Who knows what will pop up on September 12th? 10th? This, is a great, 10th. this is a great test to see if he's going to listen. Oh, no chance. Yeah. And if he does, we'll get a text. But I don't, I don't see that happening at all. He'll like it. But for those of you that are listening to this right now or watching us on YouTube, we appreciate you very much. Please rate and review the podcast. Uh, please hit subscribe. Hit the like button on YouTube if you're watching. That way, we uh, appreciate everybody sticking with us through these these tough days of the summer. I get it. It definitely is. Uh, it's, you know, th- there's their practices without pads on. There's players missing. We get it. Uh, we do get access, though. We have seen a total of five practices now over the last four weeks. Tomorrow will mark number six of those practices. I think tomorrow's going to be a little bit shorter and uh, maybe more of a throwaway day. I don't know. We'll see what they end up doing. Um, well, let's start with this, Kev. I mean, what do you, I don't even want to keep it focused on today. I mean, I'm already on record and getting killed everywhere for having the audacity to say today was not a great day, which it just wasn't. I'm sure the Bears coaches feel the same way. Um, but I've also said the previous weeks when Justin was practicing pretty well that he looked pretty good. So what do you make of all, like the totality of Justin Fields' spring uh, so far that we've been able to see? Can I give you a tip? Oh, no. Not that you need it. Okay. No, I do. I do. Uh, clearly, I do a long today. time. Yeah. You're very good. You're considerably yeah. older than me, so you've been doing this a lot longer than me. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> um. Spin zone, if you will, or just just change it up. Great day for the defense. Great day for the defense. Bears defense is back. Yes. 
Just talk about the de- the yeah. defense. Well, I did it, that. Yep. I also yep. mentioned that Darnell Mooney wasn't out there. I w- I also mentioned that Chase Claypool wasn't out there. Um, I I brought up the amazing throw. I thought it was the best throw and catch of spring, probably to DJ Moore. DJ Moore. Yep. Uh, those were all cut from the two minute clip that six seventy score posted on Twitter, though. <laughs> well, so I don't I don't know. Let's take let us take the uh, Tuesday's indoor practice for example. Yes. Right? So the big story was two minute drill, Bears starters versus Bears backups, and a guy named Terrell Lewis, mm-hmm. a popular 2020 mock draft pick to the Bears, by the way, um, yeah, okay. had a great session and helped spark two sacks of fields. Starting offense was totally discombobulated, and I think maybe got a first down, barely, but then as just time ran out, okay? Also that day, same practice, seven on seven, fields through an incredible pass to Dante Pettis down the right sideline. Like one of those pinpoint accuracy, drop in the bucket. It was a great catch by Pettis too. Yeah. Uh, very slim window to throw to. So like it's, it's a hard thing for us this time of year because as you said, we get the access. We get to be there. The fans don't get to see it. So it's a waste if we go there and not report or write about things that we observe. And sometimes there's going to be bad plays and sometimes there's going to be great plays. We don't know where that two-minute drill is indicative of what's to come in September. We don't know if the throw to Dante Pettis or DJ Moore is what's indicative to come. I do think, though, Adam, that you would like to have seen uh, crisper days from the offense this week. I think that's okay to want to see that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I generally think the offense should at times be ahead. You know, the, the two mid drill is tough because the defensive line is always going to have an edge when there's no pads because it's like the offensive line can't really do anything. Can't do a ton, I should say. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you. but the other thing too is like, I don't remember if it was last week in OTAs or the week before. There was a two minute drill where the offense marched downfield. Yes. And, and and Justin Fields was making like it was something we hadn't we didn't see last spring or summer really where it was an easy drive march down field get points first no and second team Fields was hitting DJ Moore like one two I want to say it was two or three passes downfield they moved downfield and then when the twos got out there PJ Walker uh, hit yep. Tyler Scott on like back to back passes and they got downfield at least they got in field goal range on that one um, and we wrote so, about that and we tweeted about it because we, we talked it. about it yes I think we talked about it in this pod. For sure, I I was gonna say that I I I want folks to to ride this roller coaster with us, you know. But that would acknowledge that OTAs and minicamp should be a roller coaster. It really shouldn't be. It should be a a nice tram ride through the amusement park. You're just taking a tour, yeah. And, and sometimes you see things that aren't great, and sometimes you think see things that look good, and then you move on. The season's more of a roller coaster. It can it can be, especially with this team. What I uh, the the irony is in in all this, I guess you know, and I'm not trying to just make this about the criticism I received today talking about this, uh, you know, on the radio. I just the the specific concern that I brought up, amongst other other many ex- excuses, I also brought up too, and plenty of good plays is a concern that already existed that if anything else was probably the number one focal point of this offseason and Justin Fields improvement, which is getting rid of the ball and speeding things up and getting back to the question I asked you just like, okay, zoom out now, big picture over the last four weeks. So it's not just a small sample size. I thought early on in OTAs, the first couple of practices, I I thought he he was showing a faster processing. And I was also saying, of course, yeah, there's not really a pass rush. They're not wearing pads and like all that. Sure, it, that applies good or bad, 100%. But you still want to see it. And I was saying it beats the alternative, right? We could be seeing the offense struggling. We could see him holding on the ball too long. And then as like the second or third practice, like after those three, I was like, you know what? I'm definitely seeing a difference between when he's throwing DJ Moore and everybody else. 
which kind of makes sense, right? I mean, yes, DJ Moore's open more. He's good. You you he's your number one option. So in the progression, most times you you know you're either throwing to him or the place designed for him and all that. And you're probably going to see more conviction. Absolutely. Um, and that's still kind of my conclusion after the last two practices. You know, I the only thing is that like and that I specifically brought up today that's a little bit concerning to me, not the end of the world and certainly not the end of the chapter of the book here by any means. It's just it's seven on seven when there's not a pass rush. I, I just at this point I was like I was kind of hoping, okay, we would we would just always see quicker decisions. And there's still times even when he had some completions today where, I, like, I could think of one example to, to Robert Tunyon. It's like, actually, a nice throw, got it over Tremaine Edmonds, but that would have been a sack in a game. And there's no pass rush. Like, he's, you know, you just want to see those quicker decisions. That's all. That's like, stop. The, this, to you, Back to your point. We're watching this. We're evaluating this as it goes along. And we're going to tell you when it's good, and we're going to tell you when it's uh, maybe slightly concerning. And all I'm saying is that at this point, my hope was that especially in seven-on-sevens, and the Bears have run a lot of this, to their credit, I think it's a, a good move by the coaching staff to really focus on this. Um, I just I would like to see a little bit more consistent at this point. We're not done. Training camp hasn't even come. We're six weeks away from training camp. And like you said off the top, it's all about week one and what it actually looks like in the games, 100%. Yeah, I think you hit it too. I mean, DJ Moore to me has been the best player on the field for sure. Uh, certainly on offense, um, he's been the most noticeable. He's been the most plays, and if he's making a play, Justin Fields is throwing the ball, and that connection has been good. And like y- you want him to throw it to Moore a lot, especially without Mooney and Claypool. Like you want him to build that. Um, but you're right. I think that when a throw is going to somebody else, it just it's just not as smooth as it's been with DJ Moore. So again, you're taking the positives and you also, you, you like, you know, I think Iberflu said at the start of this, that in seven on sevens, the ball shouldn't hit the ground. Yes. It's not like we've seen a ton of that, but it's still more than you should see when it's your, you know, same playbook, same offensive coordinator, same quarterback, a couple new players, but um, you want it to be smoother. You know, I, I said this last summer heading into training camp. My number one thing for the offense was I want to see them sustain drives in practice. I want to see a, you know, seven play 80 yard drive. And they did, they never did that in training camp last year. Like Mm -hmm. that was, I mean, it was so herky jerky. It was so uneven. Um, And then this year you started to see a little bit of it in OTAs. Like you started to see more of it, but I still want to see that more often. Like you still want to see the offense just go out there and just, own a drive and you know I, that's still my goal for this group in training camp to to, to show that they can do that I think again th- they did it more often this spring than they did last spring um, but I'm not uh, I guess I guess a good way to sum us up Hogan is I don't think any of us are coming to, if, if if we're allowed to go to practice and if we're expected to have use our eyes and ears and establish evaluations of what we see I don't think we can come away from OT as a mini camp thinking this thing is going to take off. Like there's just, you just, there's no way you could have watched what we watched and think that like, here we go. Yeah. I think you could, you could, you could get excited about DJ Moore for sure. But I don't, I don't think we are not, and it, maybe you shouldn't be, maybe you shouldn't feel that way in June anyways. Um, But it's not like, it's not like we've seen this offense light light the world on fire. Yeah, I agree with you based on like the evidence that has been before us overall. We should also note that there are practices that happen that we don't get to see. Yes. Like we get to see all three of the mini camp practices this week, but they had what nine OTAs and we saw three of them. Mm-hmm. So, so overall, know, there's pop- been more. Right. I mean, it kind of evens out at the end. We basically seen about half the practices when it's all said and done. Yeah. Um, and then when training camp comes along, we'll get to be there on a daily basis and kind of really build that narrative, how they stack days and all that, which is the cool part about training camp. And, and but but here's the thing, like I agree with you based on what we've seen. My my uh instinct though 
is based on who they added and how much of a difference I actually think DJ Moore can make, you know, regardless of technically the jump Justin Fields makes, which is obviously the biggest factor. I still have relatively high expectations for this offense, though. Like, I do think that they're going to be, at minimum, entertaining again and capable of being more consistent to put up enough points to to actually win games. Whereas, like, last year, it just never was consistent. I've started really slow, got really good in the middle where they actually led the league in scoring over a month, and then it tailed off at the end. And I just, I think that that'll be more consistent across the board. I think you're going to have a better idea of what you're going to get from this Bears offense. Are they going to be top five or top 10 or anything like that? You know, certainly not making predictions like that. If Justin Fields really does take off, maybe you can start having those conversations. But I still actually am kind of bullish on the offense, to be honest with you. I think the running game, which is, that's kind of the weird thing, and not weird, but understandable part of this time of year, what we've been able to watch so far. It's been so much of the passing game. Which they Uh, said was going to be the case. Yeah, which is also an argument. Like, I don't want to hear it's just June. we've seen all these, there's a reason they're putting this emphasis on the passing game. There's a reason why every coach at every level tells you how much the off season matters. By the way, do you remember a guy named Braxton Jones? Yes. Do you know when he won his starting job? Wasn't it the start of minicamp? It was, yeah, it was like OTA's minicamp. Yeah, they all of a sudden moved him in there with the ones. And that was it. He never, he never relinquished it. So like, Maybe I can't see without pads certain nuances that would allow a coach to make that move, but like this stuff matters to them. Yeah, uh, I do think you're. I do think you're right though. Like, I, 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 if we're going to use what we've seen in OTAs to show us why this offense is going to be much better, I'll point out this. I mean, once Nate Davis got there, you had the same five offensive linemen out there with the first team every snap. I mean, Lucas Patrick steps in every once in a while, but like you know who those five guys are going to be. Yes, Mooney and Claypool were out, but think about who they had at wide receiver last summer or last spring. Like you, you had such big questions about wide receiver and offensive line heading into the break before training camp. You've got Robert Tanyan. You actually have a legitimate number two tight end that we've seen used a lot with the starting offense. And I think it's a better and deeper running back room. So all those things we've seen have been improvements and it, it's looked that way, in, certainly with the passing game in practice. And then you're going to have natural improvement from Justin Fields. You're going to have natural improvement from Luke Getze. So these things are going to come. So I do think that like you can you can watch OTAs at minicamp and, and see how this thing is going to take a step forward. I will, though, point out that it's very hard for them to go anywhere but up. Yes, that's fair. That's fair. That's, just, to, just wanted to note that. Um. I would also like to point out, I'm the same guy that on Monday said Justin Fields is going to be a pro bowler. That apparently did not make the same amount of waves. It would be the first Bears quarterback to go to the Pro Bowl since Mitch Trubisky. Right. (laughs) Thanks for discrediting my bull take. (laughs) Hey, Jay never made a Pro Bowl with the Bears, right? Uh, No, he did not. You know, it, the reality is the NFC is not that impressive no. quarterbacks. And, like, even in the AFC, like, um, Huntley made it last year. I think he played in four games. Oh, that's right. It's like, what? So he beat, Didn't he beat the Bears? Um, Was that last year? I think so. Wait, no. No, they didn't play that. That division. was two years ago. That was Sorry. two years ago, yeah. Two years ago. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I remember walking in. I remember waking up that next morning thinking, this they're going to fire everybody. Yeah. Remember how yeah. bad that loss was? Yeah. Like, that, they, like half the Ravens team was sitting out, and they still and the Bears still lost. Yeah, didn't, they, didn't the Ravens have COVID or COVID issues? They had, like, a ton of, of different issues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, there's, unfortunately, over the last, like, seven years there's a number of random games you can point at where like the bears were playing a second or a third string quarterback and you're like going into it like oh this is a win and you know like brock osweiler in miami 
Well, Brock Osweiler just owns Vic, He Vic owned the Bears. Yeah, he owned he, the Bears. He, Aaron Rodgers thinks he owns the Bears. Brock Osweiler actually owns the Bears. He doesn't know that. 3-0 with three different teams. That's a better winning percentage than Aaron Rodgers. If When Vic Fangio gets into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, someone needs to ask him. Maybe, maybe he will have Brock Osweiler be his presenter. Uh, probably not. I don't know. Did you see Vic, by the way, like he kind of admitted that he could have easily ended up being the Eagles defensive coordinator. That's not surprising. He just he's so he was, like, dry asked and, about like, it. Yeah. 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 I should have been. But, you know, yeah. there was tampering or whatever. I don't remember. There. there was background. Yeah, there was a tampering yeah. thing that that. But um, some people could find the clip. I miss Vic. I miss Vic, too. Does he still wear the sweatsuit every day down in that Miami heat? I believe so. How how is he going to do that in training camp? That's nuts. Good for Vic. Oh. Yeah, he was a lot of fun. All right. Um, we have a bunch of lingering questions. By the way, this will be our only episode from uh, minicamp, which I'm slightly disappointed about. So my apologies. But you already can see we're down John's. And tomorrow is my 10th wedding anniversary. So I'm yeah. actually getting out of town tomorrow, too. Um, Which also so, means it's a 10-year anniversary of the Blackhawks Stanley Cup, right? True. Which I was kind of covering the Blackhawks at that point, which was a super cool moment. I covered game one. So I can say I covered a Stanley Cup final game. It was super awesome. And then the next day I left to go to Wisconsin for my wedding. Um, game two was on during our wedding. And where the reception was, there was no cell phone service. Except if you had U.S. Cellular, because U.S. Cellular is like big in that remote area of Wisconsin we were. And Chris Ranji, being the, uh, I don't know if he was getting free U.S. Cellular phone service or whatever, because he was the White Sox. He was the White Sox pre and post host at the time, and that was when it was U.S. Cellular Field. Um, He was the only one that really had, a, had service, and B, cared about the Blackhawks game. So that's how we're getting all of our updates. Which they well, won Happy anniversary. Game, right? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That seems like not 10 years ago at all, which is crazy. Uh, anyway, that was a little long uh, way of saying that this will be the only episode. But so kind of going into this break between minicamp and uh, training camp, lingering questions. You And you have a bunch. So you want to bring up uh, number one? Yeah, I, I try to like focus these on what did we just see the last f- three weeks, four weeks, and what you know, and then you look ahead to last week of July. So I think the health of Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool is, is paramount. Um, you know, Mooney, they kept saying that they're hopeful that he's gonna be ready to go, but you know, Eberfuss wouldn't say whether or not he was actually on the grass yet. Which is a little concerning. Um, you know, again, go back to what I said earlier. If they're ready to go for the opener, you, you almost forget that they were gone, assuming they could step in. The Chase Claypool thing, it went from eh, soft tissue, you know, any, and then the next week he's still out. The next week he's still out. Soft so, tissue stuff. Yes. Multiple. Multiple stuffs. So I he's think multiple that, stuffs. Yeah. I think, especially if you had any hope of Chase Claypool being who the Bears wanted him to be when they traded for him. Um, that's going to be kind of the number one question we, when we get back to House Hall is, will those two be ready to go? Yeah. Um, completely fair. I mean, the question that, and he's been asked it multiple times since, but when I asked it last week, you know, it was, is Mooney going to be full go training camp? And the answer seemed to be yes. He didn't, you know, so that, I think seems to be the plan. A lot of times that happens though, and then you get there and like, I don't think we're necessarily look, looking at like a pup situation, but be a ramp up a, situation. Yeah. Ramp up. There you go. Yeah. Well, the other problem is that, you know, the next 40 days, you know, these guys aren't in the building. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of just hoping that everybody's, Right, because they can't work with trainers or anything during this time. Can I think they? if you're still rehabbing injury, you can. Oh, maybe you're right. I think I'm you can. I'm not sure if it's yeah. completely dark. I think if you're still... Uh, 
I think if you're rehabbing injury, you're still out and you're, you're in the area. I think you could still use the facilities. I don't. But it, it, with Claypool, Eberflus was not shy about saying like he's he needs time. He needs reps with fields. And he's not getting it when he's he's out with these soft tissue injuries. So I think uh, all eyes will be on ten and eleven, and if they're ready to go. Yeah, and like, and I'm eager to see what it looks like when Mooney's out there with DJ Moore. I mean, because you're seeing that connection with DJ Moore right now. It looks pretty good, and. You add a second, you know, consistent option. Because right now behind DJ Moore, it's really been Cole Komet, right? Yeah. And I would say, I don't know if it was last year or 2021. One of those years, I remember exiting training camp thinking Darnell Mooney was the best player at training camp. Well, last year, I remember focusing. I'm, I remember saying multiple times last year that his route running looked very, very good. But it was probably last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think it was just a matter of like they just didn't have enough around them, so all the focus was going to him. And and I think it was encouraging before the injury that he started to break out of it. Despite that, like there was a connection there last year before the injury. Now now it's just like okay, that was a bad injury. How's he gonna look after that? We just don't know the answers to that right now. I'm less worried about Claypool's injury stuff, but more worried about the whole Claypool thing. If that makes sense. Like, yeah. you trust Mooney more than Chase Claypool right now. No question. I, I mean, everybody, like, Justin Fields said nice things about Claypool when he talked to us. Ty Tolbert said nice things about Claypool, but we didn't really see it. Like, we didn't get a whole, we didn't get a whole lot of time to watch to see how much that connection has grown. And, and he just lost two weeks of being able to continue working on it. Mm. Question two. Yes. Um, so, where is the pass rush coming from? I guess I guess that's, I should specify the edge rush with that. Yeah. I I know we've it's been like it's been a topic since March about getting defensive end. We just watched, you know, six practices of Demarcus Walker, Rasheem Green, Dominic Robinson, and Travis Gibson. Uh, I, I mean, and where are you at in terms of like I I said this to our good friend Pat Finley. Uh, today at practice is is Yannick Ngagwe or is somebody going to be this year's Riley Reef? Where on Monday of training camp week, the Bears sign him and everybody's like, "Yes, they've got their edge rusher. He's yeah. okay, but he's better than what the Bears have." So nice move by Ryan Poles. Like yeah, that's they, that, that like the Ryan, the Riley Reef reaction was really positive because they were like exactly what they need. Perfect, you know. So is there going to be a Riley Reef at defensive end that you know comes to fruition in five weeks? Well, I hundred percent think there's gonna be somebody they sign. Um what I find interesting, and again, I'm confused today on what the rules are about what you're allowed to be optimistic or pessimistic about. I, I mean, I, I look at a lot of these these moments in practice where I'm like Bass Rush looks kind of decent, actually. Now, they're not in pads. Flu said yesterday it's, like, pretty hard to pass block when you don't have pads on, you know, because you can't just you just can't be as aggressive and do the same thing that you would normally do when it's full go. So that part of it's tough. Um, but, like, the last two days, the Bears defense has gotten a very clear sack on the quarterback in a team – I think both were in two-minute drills, and I think both were on Darnell Wright. At least today's was. Yeah. Yesterday's so, was. I, I, you know, I don't want to be concerned about the Darnell Wright thing because he's not wearing pads. It's just a couple reps. It's not the end of the world. But at the same time, like, overall, like, I kind of I kind of like what I saw from the pass rush overall. But it's hard to t- really make any conclusions off of that considering it's not pads i mean get one of my favorite days of the year is when the pads go on in camp and you get one-on-ones like let's see it then and i think it's important to note that if they do sign assuming they sign an edge rusher as opposed to trading for one that guy's gonna be a one year he's gonna be what riley reef was and i think that's fine but this is not gonna be somebody who's going to transform your group this is somebody who's a free agent for a reason and is going to upgrade what you have because you don't have a whole lot. Uh, but I, I just think that's that's the that's still the number one position where 
you heard me name the defensive ends. Like there is room to bring somebody in. I, maybe it's just because I think it's an amazing quote, but I'm I'm really intrigued to watch Demarcus Walker this year. Yeah, I mean he's massive. Um, and he's coming off a really good year last season. Um, I'm just I'm just intrigued by him, but I just don't think he can carry your edge rush. I just don't know if. Well, and I actually uh, thought I thought Flus was relatively transparent today on the expectations for what Demarcus Walker's going to be. I mean, he essentially said he's a run-stopping defensive end who we're going to kick inside on pass rushing downs, and that's yeah. probably why when people say that's where he gets, you know, he makes his money as a pass rusher, it's inside. I mean, that's kind of the niche he's not carved out for himself. So he's a versatile player, but I don't think I like I'm. I'm pretty optimistic about what Demarcus Walker is going to be for that D line, and I really like his leadership and how he's fit in with this team. You saw and heard that today, just him talking to us. Um, but he's not your prototypical four-three DN that's going to go out there and give you 15 sacks in any season. I mean, if you look at how these guys are built, Dominic Robinson is kind of the only one that looks like that that he could be that. I just I don't know. Uh, yeah. Maybe he will, but we just we have no idea. Yeah, we got um, to see more. But, so it's still a lingering question. That's why it's in this segment. Yeah, by the way, I'll throw a quick bonus lingering question here for defensive line. Uh, is how good is Jervon Dexter going to be when the pads come on? Because I think if there's anybody that's gotten more praise. Now, granted, he's, people have asked about him, so that that's going to happen. But like the way Justin Jones talked about him yesterday... Um, and hearing Tevin Jenkins talk about him, Zach Pickens too. Zach Pickens getting some love, but I think people are in awe of Jervon Dexter's size and speed. Yeah, and I, I'm I think he will be very top of list of when pads come on, watching what he can do. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what he can do because he he for all the concern there was in in you know myself included, just bringing up like his college tape with the get off and stuff. He's he seems like he's fitting in pretty well. So that's good to see. Uh, question three. So we talked about the running backs earlier. Like they just didn't run the ball very much this spring as yeah. by design. So because of that, we still have this lingering question of how does the running back room shake out? I think I saw every running back on the roster take a snap with Justin Fields this spring. Yeah. Like there's an undrafted rookie running back, I think, who I saw back there at one point. I had to go double check my roster to see who it was. Actually, can I work it up right now? Let's see. It was. Seems oh wait, like no. Bear, Man, I made that up. I made that up. Yeah. Was I was gonna say Chicago I don't Alder. remember an undrafted running back. No, Chicago Alderman. You know who it was? It was Treston <laughs> Ebner. Um, but yikes! The point it wasn't is very nice to Treston Ebner. Yeah, sorry. You know what it was? <laughs> I saw twenty-five, and I remember like looking really quick at my roster. Twenty-five, Macon Clark, undrafted rookie. Boom, new running back. Oh, I was like, yeah. wait, a new second. running back, Macon Clark. No, they're not a, a bear. Back. Um. Because of the lack of running, we don't know, like, we have no answers to the Deontay Foreman versus Khalil Herbert versus Rashawn Johnson um, competition, if you will. I, I hesitate to call it a competition because whoever starts week one, it could be somebody else week two, it could be somebody else week three. Like, I, I guess, I don't know who, I'll ask you this, who, ha who do you think right now is going to have the most carries for the Chicago Bears in 2023? Deontay Foreman. I'm, I'm with you on that, but there, we didn't see anything this spring that told us that because they didn't like do a whole lot, right? That's that's true. That's accurate. But if we're also going to take Allen Williams, uh, it, well, he called it a rep chart, not a depth chart, which I guess by definition yeah. is you, and I realize I'm quoting a defensive coach right now, but I'm just going off the thought of that. Yeah. Um, so I guess he's trying to say, well, don't set it in stone like it's a depth chart. But I I still feel like, based on what we saw, that Deontay Foreman has the inside track to be the at least the week, week one starter. Yeah, but I just think that's something that when we get to training camp will be crystallized more. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the 100%. Like, th this whole spring was about the passing game. Yeah. You saw some brief inside run periods. And they were walk-through runs. Yeah, I mean, they weren't so. even going full speed, nor they, nor should they without pads. So, um, question four, 
I didn't use the cool, awesome voice because it's I, I just kind of threw this one in here. The cornerback position intrigues me because, like, you could make the argument, especially the way that Tyreek Stevenson has come on. Like, I think I think if you're talking Hogue about guys who had good springs, I think you put Tyreek Stevenson in that category. Yes. Um. So that's very promising. That here's this rookie came comes in. He's our you know he's running with the ones and he's making plays. I think that's good. I think we've all seen what Jalen Johnson is at his best. I don't think we've seen Kyler Gordon at his best yet. No. Nope. And he hope you know like for the Bears' sake, hopefully like that's still to come. They obviously believe in him heavily. Like there is an interesting ceiling for that group in the short term and the long term when you think about how young those guys are. So that's kind of a position group I'm interested to keep watching when we get into the summer because, again, you're, you're talking about guys who stepped up in the spring. I would say Tyreek Stevenson stepped up, and then you start thinking about that whole position. You're like, wow, like there's a scenario that exists in which the Bears have a really, really impressive trio of corners in which your oldest corner is 23 years old. Yeah, I like I like the mix in the secondary. I like, I mean, and Jaquan Brisker is probably my favorite out of all of them. I know you're bringing mm-hmm. up the cornerbacks, but I like him at, on the back end as a safety, and I, and, I, and I like where Eddie Jackson is, you know, coming back from the injury and the fact that he didn't need surgery on that, Liz, Liz Frank, and that veteran le- leadership he has on the back end to mix with those four other young DBs. Um, I think it's improved. I think it's exciting and it's improved is how I would put it. Um because I, I actually have a lot of respect for what Kendall Vildor has done and given the Bears the last couple of years, but I, I think if your secondary is where you want it, he's your versatile reserve off the bench. You know, the first guy that you're not afraid to go put in there because you know he's going to know what to do, but he's not starting football games. I think that's where you want to be as a defense. I think their moves reflect that. Um so I think it's very encouraging that Tyreek Stevenson has clearly earned enough trust from the coaches to to kind of like Braxton Jones last year. I realize he's a much higher Stevenson's a much higher draft pick, but to me that's kind of the equivalent this year of like that guy that you're not necessarily surprised, but just it's very notable this time of year that he's getting thrown in there with the starters. Yeah, I, I want I want to ask a follow up off that Kendall Vildor comment because my other question about this position, which is your question for all these positions, because you're gonna want like so much of the summer is figuring out the fifty three, um, and I'll have a a, a a roster projection that comes out I think Monday. Don't put a lot of stock into it because it's the spring. I just it's just a way to kind of let's start thinking about these mm-hmm. training camp battles that are coming. Corner is an interesting one for those final spots, right? Because I think you've got Kendall Vildor, Josh Blackwell, Jalen Jones, Terrell Smith, rookie, and Greg Stroman Jr.'s gotten a lot of work. Yeah. Um, OJ M- Mudia has been in there. Yeah. So you've got options. Here's the thing with Vildor. He got that uh, salary boost for being a late-round pick. Um, it's based on playing time for guys picked in the later rounds. So he's making uh, it's like like at least over two million dollars this year. Mm. Now, that doesn't sound like a ton. It's not like it's caught, and not like the Bears are up against it where they need to cut him. But I think you have to sit there and ask yourself the question: When you have other guys who are younger, who are guys you drafted or you acquired, you know, because obviously Kendall Vildor was a Ryan Pace pick. Do are are you comfortable paying that much money to somebody who's your number four? Something to think about. That is, that's a good point by you, um, because I don't think that's necessarily the biggest priority when you're, when you're, uh, you know, putting the roster together at the at you know in the first week of September. But if it's a tiebreaker situation, that could matter. Well, I, I so I think Terrell Smith. Uh, can we call him a lock? He's a fifth round pick. And then, yeah, it says yeah. four corners. And I think that, I, I mean, don't know Blackwell if he's necessarily a lock, though. Maybe not, but it's. Well, I, I mean, I, 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 I think that we've been sort of lulled into thinking that fifth round picks are locks because. Of Darnell Mooney. 
<laughs> and Adrian well, Amos. Well, yeah, that's a good point. There's been a lot of good first, fifth round picks. Jordan uh, Howard. Also, the Bears' overall rosters haven't been that great. Right. So, like on other teams that have better rosters, they're cutting. Yeah. Sometimes they're cutting third and fourth rounders. I mean, it doesn't happen a but, lot, but sometimes it does. But all, if you're Terrell, if you're Terrell Smith, you have to beat out two undrafted guys from last year and Jalen Jones and Josh Blackwell and a fifth round pick from the previous regime who was, you know, potentially going to be overpaid. Yeah. And then two veterans off the street. So, you know, you know what but, I think but, but that's what I'm You know what I, I think, think that, to decide all this? Special teams. Special teams. And that's where I always come back to Blackwell and Jalen Jones. I like Blackwell and special teams. Uh, this is what I love. We're talk. We're breaking down Josh Blackwell's chances to make the fifty-three on June fourteenth. I love this sport. It's June. It doesn't matter. I thought you weren't hung up on uh, everybody yelling at you. I kind of am, I guess. Hey, speaking of people yelling at me, I don't know if you noticed this, Hogue. Mic stand. Look at that. Got myself a new mic stand. This is a big moment. Cause uh, my other one. I didn't really use it. And then I think I've mentioned this on the show. I like to like, I'm a, a fiddler, not like fiddler, not like the inst- musical instrument. Yeah. So your hands like, feel I like, free now. You can. Well, I, but like, actually my sister, I lost it. Of course, got me one of these, like it was a cube that each side of the cube had different like things. You could just like a, a ball and um, like levers, like just different, like a, a on off switch. Cause I like to just like sit there and just, you know, well, I used to do that with this, mm. and oh, it came off. Yeah, my my bad. Because I would just like be on the podcast. There? I don't know. <laughs> so, anyways, long story short, I bought myself a mic stand, and um, people could stop yelling at me. I didn't even know people yelled at you, but. I Not that I ever look at the YouTube comments, but oh. every once in a while, I want to see if anybody wants to talk about my dashing good looks. Well, we respect the YouTube comments. We do. And That's every, why I look at them. Everybody watching, and we just appreciate when you hit that like button and pass it along to your friends and send the link around. We, th- we thank you very much. Before we get out of here, we have a ton of... I I ask for some questions fidget um, thank you sorry kent like i have a fidget spinner that's what i was trying to say like i, I'm a, I thought that's what you did say did i, did I say that it? i don't know yeah. i'm i'm I, it's so late at night it's been such a long day i am if you're watching on youtube i you said fiddle. Me. i said fiddle with things i i actually I saw, have a drink i saw that me. what do you what do you this is the there? weller that our good friend patrick finley got me for my birthday oh it's uh it's like a limited wheat-based uh bourbon that they it's apparently hard to get. Pat knows all about it. I don't know. But but it was a very thoughtful gift that he got me. And uh it's been a ba- it's been a big day and usually when we do a podcast this late, you know, I just pour a little bit in here and try to enjoy the rest of my night. Well, actually, I didn't say this earlier, but I I filled this thing. No, this is just water. Mm. Straight vodka? Always be hydrating. Yeah. I'm actually doing a pretty good job of that. My chiropractor's all over me. About staying hydrated. Just, I'm, I'm sure that Tevin Jenkins, back specialists are too. Are you gonna but, do Pilates? I gotta talk to Tevin more about this. I did Pilates a few years ago with my wife. It was very hard, very re- rewarding, also not cheap. Yeah, I've heard all those three things about Pilates. Yeah, um, I know it's really good for you. I didn't know that it honestly didn't know that it could be that good for your back though. So I might have to look into that. Because you know what else Every is not in- cheap? <laughs> Three months of rehab Physical trying to bend your spine back the direction it's supposed to be, which is what I'm Every, going through right now. I, I think every old man injury I've had, uh, someone's told me you should do Pilates. Okay. Lower back, neck, feet, just Pilates, Pilates. Maybe Tevin can sponsor us. I did like Courtney Cronin's like follow-up. She wanted to know the specific machine. Yeah. I gave her a hard time. It's like, Okay, Courtney, just a little bragging about uh Yeah, it's a little humble Pilates. brag that she's Miss Pilates, apparently. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're just sitting around doing these podcasts. With back pain as I have poor posture yeah. sitting here, which I'm trying to work on too. Um, all right. I did uh, ask for a bunch of questions. Um 
So we'll is this the it. one about the uh, surprising names from OTAs and minicamp, or is that your question? I threw that in there. But I I'll think give we're... you one. I can give you one if you want. Sure, go ahead. Uh, Penne Sewell. Yeah. I just I, he's he was with the what first team base defense mm-hmm. with Jack Sanborn out, and, and and Flew said that's Sanborn's job. But I, I think if you want to talk about fifth round picks not necessarily being a lock, uh, I thought I thought Sewell. Um, was very uh, uh, he was noticeable um the past pipe week or two yeah he's uh, that's encouraging for sure um name that came up yesterday for me Terrell Lewis I think uh has stood you, out. oh Terrell I thought you said Terrell Smith for a second I was like you already cut him no I didn't cut him <laughs> uh I was talking to your uh, CSGO colleague Nick Moriano that Doris Fountain could be this year's like last year I tweeted about a guy who made really looked really good at a June practice. And I think he got cut before training camp. Mm. Um, I'm not saying it's going to happen to Reese Fountain, but he had a good day when they were indoors on Tuesday. I noticed him a few times. Reese Fountain's a big dude. He's big guy. Six, six two, two ten. I mean, kind of looks like a tight end when he's running out there. He's uh out of Northern Iowa. He was on the team last year, right? No. Yes, he was on the practice squad last year. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because the roster says free agent 23, but... Well... I could have sworn he was... <laughs> I could have sworn he was on the practice squad last year. Uh, Darius Fountain was uh, signed to the practice squad on October 27th, uh, 2022. What's most impressive is that you didn't even Google that. You just knew that. Uh, Yeah. You're definitely not staring at Google right now or Wikipedia. <laughs> definitely not. Uh, actually, I appreciate that, though. Good confirmation. Um, here's a question from Bailey on Twitter, at bpratt05. Has there been much fluctuation along the offensive line this week? Patrick rotating in anywhere. Yeah, as Flus actually said, and uh, uh, we've we've talked about it a little bit the last couple of weeks, Um Lucas Patrick has been rotating in enough at center that it kind of makes you wonder if it's a competition at times with Cody Whitehair. Um, I am actually going to take Flus for his word on that one. That he he said it's Whitehair's job, and they're it's like they're getting it's almost like they're just showing him veteran respect. Um, yeah, I I think that it's just like hey, we can give Cody some reps off, and we've got this guy in Lucas Patrick, and he can get some extra practice in. And I will say I have uh, really appreciated what I've seen from Lucas Patrick, how involved he is, how you can – it's a lot of times I guess we put maybe too much stock in like what guys say in the media or what they're saying at a press conference and how they come off in that room. But like to me, you can actually see how positive Lucas Patrick is. Even when I'm, I'm not talking about when he's in. I'm talking about when he's out, when he's like the sixth guy standing behind the offensive plays. Like he is very involved, like almost like an extra coach on the field. Um, I appreciate that attitude and, you know, kind of hope he stays healthy to, to, you know, really show this year, maybe what he can do. And if he's healthy and really there is your six offensive lineman and sort of your, probably your swing guy on the interior, um, that's going to really help your depth. I mean, th- this is this, he was the number one free agent last year in terms of the guy that Ryan Poles talked up the most. They were the most excited about Lucas Patrick. He was going to be the starting center, and then he broke his thumb. What was it, the second day of training camp? Yeah, if it wasn't day one, it was day two. That was pretty much it because then he came back, played some guard, got hurt again. So, And then he comes back, and he's a backup. And to his credit, he's obviously... You know, been like, hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm part of this team. I'm gonna be the sixth man. I'm gonna be ready if they need me, and I'm gonna be a, still be a leader even if I'm not starting. And um, I think that's important, especially for that group, because you know Cody Whitehair is not the most vocal guy. He's a lead by example guy. But you have second year Braxton Jones, third year Tevin Jenkins, Nate Davis is a new guy. Seems like a little bit of a quieter guy. And you got Darnell Wright, who's your your top draft pick. So I think it's important for that room to have Lucas Patrick. All right. Um, 
Another question here. Arthur. I, I want to say Karen. Uh, Karen. I don't. I apologize, but I'm not saying that right. At Arthur Karen 1987. Which of the new defenders has a chance to make the biggest impact? It's got to be Tremaine Edmonds, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think. I mean, it should be. It better be. I mean, I guess it, it. What they're yeah, paying him. I mean, they're paying him, but I, I think you put Tyreek Stevenson in the conversation. I think you put uh, Javon Dexter potentially in the conversation. It's a little too early to really know with those with those rookies, um, but there's certainly the chance that one of those guys like really has a breakout year that puts them like in the defensive rookie of the year conversation. I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying it's a possibility. But yeah, what you mean? With Tremaine Edmonds, it's not just how he looks out there, um, the type of plays he's capable of making, but it's very clear that he's establishing himself as a big leader on the defense, sort of the quarterback of the defense. So I think that's where you got to go in answering this question. Yeah, when when the season's over and you add up tackles for loss, interceptions, passes defense, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, you want him to be number one in that category on your team. Yeah, that's and be a leader, which you know he's he's shown that he's going to be that for them. So, yeah, I think he's he's number one. But you know, you're right; they they're in position. They've got so many guys who could have breakout seasons for them on that side of the ball. But I think it starts with Edmonds. Uh, all right, Pierre on Twitter asking, "How's the Cincy wide receiver looking out there?" Tyler Scott, one of the rookies. Ocho Cinco. Ocho Cinco. How's Ocho Cinco? Um. No. Uh, so Tyler Scott made. Did you see the catch he made on Tuesday indoors? Yes. I believe it was the right. It was one of those like PJ Walker. Was it PJ Walker threw it? Yeah, PJ Walker threw it, and you're got it right here. My notes. Yeah, I got good tracking over the shoulder catch from 15. Yeah, and and you, it, it was one of those balls. You're like, there's no way he's going to catch up to that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way he's going to track that down. And he, yeah, did. I thought out he of did. the hand he overthrew it. Yeah, he didn't lose his balance. He didn't have to dive. He was able to track it down, concentrate. You know, you see the concentration, you see the catch. So, I mean, the little I've seen. There was a couple times uh, earlier in OTAs where he caught an out route, and the way he turns up field is impressive. Like, he's got that burst, like catch, catch and go. Because one thing that's been a challenge for this Bears team <laughs> over the years is how often has a guy caught a pass, slant out, something like, you know, little post pattern and be able to just catch it and outrun people. They just don't have guys who have done that. Um, And, uh, you know, maybe Tyler Scott can DJ Moore is capable of doing that. DJ Moore is number one in that category, but I think Tyler Scott's going to be able to do that for them a little bit too. Yeah. I I like Tyler Scott. I think um, if we're going to talk about rookies being a lock, I would actually consider him a lock. Yes. I think he's, and I think he's got a chance to make a difference. So, um, all right. I hate the conversation to go back here, but I'm just going off the questions coming in. Uh, Zach asking, so did Fields really go 15 to 18? But it was also a bad day. I'm seeing both of these takes on Twitter and not sure what to believe. I guess we only are not one of the allowed to report attempts and completions from practice. Oh, so should so I not? We say cannot who? confirm. Yeah, we cannot confirm or deny. Cannot confirm Can or we? deny those numbers. And I don't even want to sell it the person who did it. Although I'm pretty sure it's well known, uh, but yes, because we love because we, we love him. It was said on the radio today. Although By, technically, the person who said it has probably has different rules than we do. Probably an undisclosed member of the Bears play by play crew. What <laughs> <laughs> went on uh, the radio today and said? Uh, and he went 15 for 18. Can I clear that up for a second, too? Because I actually called this person and was like, what did you actually say? Because I'm getting murdered on Twitter over this. Okay, so he was 15 to 18 in seven on seven is apparently what this person said on the radio. Um, so that's not the whole practice. That's not team period. That's seven on seven. And um, also, regardless of what we're talking about, I don't care if you went 18 for 18 or you went... Two for 18. Like, the same people are saying it's June practice, it doesn't matter, are throwing stats at me about practice? 
Like, it does not come close to telling the full context of the completions. Uh, Like, one of which was a nice... It was one I brought up earlier, which was a nice throw to Robert Tanyan. That was, like, after four seconds of hanging around in the back backfield and probably would have been a sack in a game and there's no pass rush. So come on. Yeah. I mean, Wayne Larrabee putting that out there really uh, messed with you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think that the sense that I've been getting is when we post that Justin Fields looks good, the reaction is the bears are back. When we post that Justin Fields did not look good. It's how dare you. It's June. Yes. And also, I no one said he had a bad day, or if I did, I don't know what I said. I said he, I said he didn't have a great day. Whatever. Um, Marifa Asar on Twitter, do you think Justin Fields can actually see the field to find the open receiver? This is actually an interesting question. I, I don't. I think he sees the field okay. I think sometimes he second guesses who's actually open. And I understand that that I don't know if that sounds like a contradiction when I say that. But I think there's a difference between like we eventually got to the point with Mitch Trubisky where we 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 pretty much could tell the guy was not he had a lot of strengths, but his biggest weaknesses was reading defenses both pre and post snap. Is that fair? Yes. I think Justin is doing okay at reading the defenses. I think he's he's just still hesitating in throwing with full conviction and understanding NFL open. Well, I think that DJ Moore is helping with that. I agree, because when he throws it to DJ, it's, you see that conviction. Like the catch today, that was really tight. Car- like Jalen Johnson, was, you could tell he was pissed that he didn't make a play, wasn't able to make a play on that ball. Mm-hmm. I think like a play later fields through behind Tyler Scott and Johnson should have picked it off. Um, so I, I think DJ Moore is going to help with that, but I, I, I agree. I think that's, you know, that's something we saw with fields last year and, and he's talked about it a little bit. Um, I, I, I don't know how good Justin Fields is when it comes to reading coverages and recognizing them and and all that I just I just don't know and I don't know um you know I mean that'll be now you get now every defense is seen has a full year of Justin Fields in this offensive scheme yeah so I think that that evaluation is going to continue to evolve I I just I don't I don't know where he's at with that the other the other thing too Hulk, like the way that some of these guys come out of college with their offenses, I mean, how many how many quarterbacks are really doing like what Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Drew Brees did? Like, I think Mahomes does it, but Mahomes also has this like rare ability where he can do it for as long as he wants. Sometimes, He's, like, like, yeah, you know, I, I think Mah- I think Burrow, I'd say Mahomes, um. Justin Herbert. Yeah. Uh, is Josh Allen, is that like something he's, uh, you know, he's just, I mean, he's obviously incredible. But but actually, um, I would say that Josh Allen and Justin Herbert are, are kind of part of these, uh, and I think Justin Fields is in the same conversation where like, and, and, and I will say this is where it's, it's tough to evaluate him in these practice settings because they're just sort of like ballers. Right, like, yeah. Well, you, you, they can. You like, want them improvising and just sort of doing what they do athletically and yeah. make these crazy plays. Like it's so, and and I think that's what's so exciting about Justin Fields. You certainly want to see the football-y stuff come out, like the reading of the defenses and the and the timing and all that. But like where we see Justin Fields at his best, he's just balling out. He's just doing cool f- things with the football that he's blessed and to do that not many quarterbacks out there are including NFL starters are capable of doing. Yeah. I mean, cause you just have these guys who are now physically gifted at a level that the game just hadn't seen before. Um, you know, there are guys certainly in the eighties and nineties who did it a little bit. I mean, you go back to the, who, who am I thinking of here? I mean, you know, Steve Young's of the world, 
Mm-hmm. You can talk about like uh, Michael Vick. You can talk about Dante Culpepper at his prime. I mean, even Dan Marino was probably like that, where these guys could just yeah, you could just fit in any window. And I mean, look, there was a little bit of Cuddy when Cuddy was at his best. That's what he did. Um, like the the idea of like the surgical sit in the pocket, know what a defense is going to do, and pick them apart. Like that's still great if you can do it. And there's, I think, the best guys can. Um, I don't know if he can, and and I don't know if he needs to. Um, I think th- I think where that's evident most Hogue is is when there's going to be like an interception on like a you know if if a defense does a disguise and stuff like that. That's kind of where you can maybe tell. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at today's quarterbacks and how these guys make these just incredible plays because they have arm talent that we've never seen before and the ability to throw on the run we've never seen before, and they have receivers that are unbelievable. It's just a different, it's, it's, in some ways, it's a different game. The thing, though, that we we know about Patrick Mahomes, we've seen from Josh Allen and the area where Jalen Hurts made turn the corner last year, is eventually these really good defensive coordinators, these really good defensive players, are going to find a way to make Justin Fields play quarterback. It's the same thing that happened with Mitch Trubisky eventually, where you heard it. Uh, who was the DB from the Packers who eventually uh, said it out loud? Roman Williams. Yeah, it's like we yeah. just had to make Mitch play quarterback. And, and that's where... Now, I think Fields' overall ability and talent will maybe extend the amount of time he can put that off or whatever, but eventually he's going to, and that's why this stuff still does matter. It's why it's why at the end of the day when you hear me go on the radio and saying seven on sevens, I just would still like to see the ball come out faster. It's a completely fair comment because when it's live bullets in September and there is a pass rush, you, you got to get the ball out. So, well, and yeah. also, and I, I want to be careful not to relitigate the trade of the number one pick, but wasn't that like if you were in the camp that the Bears should move on and take Bryce Young, that was your reasoning? That Bryce Young is this rare ability in terms of the way he, um, like it's just different than Fields, right? Yeah. Like the way he can read defenses. That's like, that was like one of the things that he was known for. Um, and, yeah, know, he's, so yeah. and he he does an incredibly high level for for a college quarterback who's now a rookie. And if yeah. and if Bryce Young had Fields' size and uh, athleticism and speed, then I probably would have been in the camp that said, "Yeah, just draft him." But right. he doesn't, and he doesn't have that size. And I think he's eventually going to get dinged up. And that's why I'm still a believer in Justin Fields. Right, and, and I, I, yeah, and I didn't want to. Again, I don't want to say that, the, but that was the that was the thing. That was the thing that you kind of would think about. Like that's like the maybe the biggest difference between the two, or you can even say perceived difference. Because well, the that's thing why is, he too, ended up going number one, and and we could do a whole podcast about this. But at the end of the season, Justin Fields is eligible for a new contract, mm-hmm. and you see, we all see the numbers about what these quarterbacks are making, and for the Bears and for him and, and to for him to be that guy who's worthy of getting that like that's just that's that's the next level for him well, let's hope he gets there um what you don't want to do another uh quarterback search no uh, please god no <laughs> no <sighs> we're gonna take some time off i think that's a that's a good thing to do at this point um Johnsy's on a break. I'm going to take a little bit of a break. It's at least a couple weeks, but we will we will be back strong after the 4th of July when it's time to start getting ready for training camp. Um, you and not, I are going to the same place for vacation. Not at We're the not same time. Undisclosed location. Because I don't undisclosed. want uh, yep. undisclosed location, but we'll be missing each other. Uh, we, will, we will wave as we pass each other because you'll be leaving. I'll be... On my way there, somewhere that could the be highway. flying, could be flying in the air, could be somewhere on the highway. Nobody knows. Yes, nobody knows. Um, but this is yeah, it's like this is the NFL team's relaxing time, so yeah, gets to be ours too. Well, yes, we we get to take some time off too. So, um, but we have some exciting things planned. I don't want to give it all away right now, but during this dead period, where we are, we're gonna we're gonna have some fun. So it's gonna be a couple weeks here, silence. 
which maybe we all need right now. seems like people need it for me. I can appreciate that. Get that in my house a lot, too. It's all good. This guy hates fields. It doesn't understand it's June. Less than 48 hours after I said you go to the Pro Bowl. Yep. Um, so that's sort of the situation right now. But appreciate, as always, everybody watching, listening, however you consume the pod. It is the middle of summer. We're going to take a little bit of a break. Thanks to our producer, Kent, as always, does such a great job with the show. Thanks to Kevin for filling in uh, as needed here uh, with, with John Z out. And uh, stay tuned because we got some exciting things planned. We are going to take a little bit of a break. If you still need your Bears fix, I would highly encourage you to check out CHGO because uh, CHGO is not stopping. I'll be off a little bit here and there, but um, the show will roll on every single day, so you got that for you. Um, also, you can check out my newsletter at allchgo.com. Become a diehard. We'll still have the newsletter coming out uh, a little bit here and there. And, of course, Kevin's got... Uh, the stuff he's already teased here with the roster breakdown questions coming up on the athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogue and Johns. Kev, enjoy some time off. You as well. Well deserved. Don't get too much sun. Put that sunblock on. Oh, you know I will. What's that hat you're wearing, by the way? Uh, Tennessee Smokies. Oh, cool. I think I'm going to get a new minor league hat each summer. Mm. Um, this I got this last summer, and I uh, debuted at uh, mini camp yesterday. My Canapolis Cannonballers hat. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so you got both the Cubs and the White Sox represented, right? That was the plan. Okay. I want to side more to the Cubs. This year. Yeah. Although I am seeing tweets that uh, apparently Jake Berger and Reese Robert have been a whole month since I got All right. Sox are back. Sox are back. Uh, We are not, though. We're going to take a little bit of a break. We'll be back uh, in a few weeks. Appreciate everybody. We'll talk to you then. See ya. Lower back, neck, feet. Plotties, plotties.